Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around, because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Manager Track Podcast. We're going to talk about building confidence. This could be confidence in you. It could also mean, how do you build and instill confidence in other people, the people on your team who might come to you confessing that they're worried that they have self-doubt? How do you instill more confidence in them? There are a couple of ways to do this, and we're going to talk about it in this podcast so that by the end of it, you understand how to develop greater confidence for yourself and those around you. Because what I see in coaching calls day in and day out is that when we come from a place and we act and show up with a lack of confidence, meaning that we have achieved a certain level of accomplishment and achievement or we own a certain level of responsibility and a scope of work, but we're not quite sure we're ready for it. We don't trust ourselves enough. We doubt ourselves and we might doubt our decisions and our actions. What happens is that we overcompensate. So we do things or we say things in order to make up for it. And you might have noticed in the past, like you were maybe having a conversation at a networking event or you met an acquaintance. And for some reason, you said something that after the fact, you thought, that was interesting. Why did I have to make that comment? Why did I have to say this? And it may just be that you said it or did that thing that you later regretted because in the moment you felt a little insecure and you did something to compensate for it which then later you might have regretted thought maybe it sounded a little bit too arrogant or it was not called for or you were justifying and explaining yourself more than you needed to those behaviors are often caused by a lack of confidence or other ways that we compensate could be that we work really long hours We never take time off. We're never really satisfied, meaning we're perfectionists. We want to get everything perfect. We might struggle to delegate and let go. That causes micromanagement or just overworking. We might have a really hard time tolerating mistakes in ourselves. Again, because that would be evidence almost that we're not good enough. But we also might have a difficult time tolerating mistakes in others. We might not ask for help when we should be asking for help because we think that if we ask for help, that that is a sign and again, possibly evidence that we're not ready yet and that others would see and notice that we're lacking confidence. 
We might also procrastinate on tasks and projects because we're unsure, we're doubting ourselves, we're doubting our decisions, and so we never fully get started. We might not speak up in meetings because we worry whether or not the things we want to say or share are actually good enough or that they even matter. And so we just choose to go the safe route and not say anything at all. And of course, and that means that we don't have the visibility, our voices are not getting heard, very important information, probably really valuable input that you have, isn't brought up and therefore can't be addressed. And so you're depriving others from your brilliance that you do have. It may also mean that you pass on opportunities because you feel undeserving. Or you just notice this heavy load and burden of constantly dealing with the negative self-talk and the self-doubt that's running around in your head. And so of course it doesn't help that our minds are actually coming up with a lot of reasons why our self-doubt and lack of confidence is justified, which is a bummer, but that's how our brains are wired. So if you have a lack of confidence, you're probably a little biased and more prone to seeing all kinds of obstacles and difficulties that lie in your path. You may also see all the reasons why you're not up to the task. So these judgments that you have, they seem like facts. They seem like truth. And then you start comparing yourself to others. Maybe that's on social media with people that you don't even see in real life. Or it is comparing yourself to your colleagues, to peers, to your boss, to other people that you know and admire. And you see all the places where you fall short. But that is a very skewed perspective because they're likely doing the same and they're seeing all the places that you seem to be better than them. It's not helping either way. And then the fourth way, other than the obstacles to self-judgment in the comparison, the fourth way that we get in our own way is that our minds predict failure, rejection, unpleasant, uncomfortable outcomes. And many of us tend to focus on worst case scenarios that seem really rational in our brains. But when we talk it out loud (laughs) as a friend or as a spouse, you might say, honey, that is ridiculous. You're not going to get fired. You're not going to lose your job. You're not going to become homeless. That is not a feasible outcome. But your brain thinks, no, it is totally possible that that's what would happen. And because it seems so real and these predictions of failing and, and worst case scenarios seem so heavy, it then fuels the self-doubts that we carry. So now let's talk about what to do to build self-confidence. I'm going to talk about two specific strategies to do so. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about what to do if you want to instill confidence in other people. Before I dive into these two strategies, I want to quickly point out what many people do when they feel insecurities. Many people start focusing on gathering more knowledge doing more research, reading more books, taking more classes, getting another degree, getting a certificate, building up and collecting material possessions, going for titles and promotions and all of that. But the problem is that these are all external things. Again, we're trying to sort of compensate with gathering stamps of approvals and accomplishments and knowledge. And we think it's going to make us feel better on the inside. But that is not true. 
So the two strategies that actually do work are focused on managing our own brain. It has nothing to do with trying to compensate with these external factors. In order to build sustainable confidence, you have to work on the internal part of it. Anything that's external will help in the moment. Yes, that promotion will get you a boost in confidence, but that confidence is not sustainable. You will get it. You will feel good about it. You might receive praise from someone. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel confident. But then when the next challenge arises, you're back into spiral of self-doubt. So in order to create sustainable confidence and build that, you have to do the inner work. So strategy number one is to talk to your brain more than you listen to it. The biggest mistake that I see so many people make is that they think that their thoughts in their head is reality and is the truth. That's not the case. They're just thoughts. And we got thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts every day. And the more that you think a thought, they build patterns and then these patterns turn into beliefs. But whether or not you're paying attention to these thoughts is up to you. They will pop up and you can let them go. You can introduce new thoughts, better thoughts, healthier thoughts, more empowering thoughts. If you have fear come up, if you have self-doubt come up, it is your decision of whether or not you want to put your magnifying glass on it and let that sit there and linger and that become your identity or if you're letting it go saying okay brain this is what we do like that that's what brains do they bring up fear and they bring up self-doubt all because our instinctual brain is wired to protect us to keep us safe those are survival instincts so for your brain to come up with the doubts and the fear is completely normal but it is up to you to decide whether you're listening to it or not and that is a huge factor and so so important and it's something that we haven't learned in school at least I haven't and I don't know anyone who has I'm sure that they're now more progressive schools who teach about thought work um, and the understanding of the brain and what to do with our thinking and our thoughts and then our emotions but the time that I went to school this was not part of it so The first strategy is to talk to your brain more than you listen to it, to fuel it with empowering thoughts. Ways that you can do this is that you, in every morning, when you look in the mirror, you look in your own eyes, you talk back and you acknowledge things that you're proud of. You're telling yourself kind things that your friend would tell you. You could also read them. You could write them down. I personally, I journal every morning and I tell myself things that I'm grateful for. I write things that prepare me for the day. I write my goals and the reasons why this matters and why I have what it takes to achieve my goals. I have a list of my standards, my life standards and how I want to show up in front of me because those are the things that I want to bring back to my consciousness and keep at the forefront. It is not the doubt and it is not the fear. But now here's one thing where this can go wrong. This can go wrong if we think about the big affirmations, like the bold claims that we think they're empowering, like you are great, you're an amazing leader. Now, all these are generally good, but if you don't actually believe them, they're not going to settle in. So when you talk back to your brain, the sentences that you say, the thoughts that you introduce, you want to make sure that they're healthy, empowering thoughts, but still thoughts that you believe. 
So let me make an example. If you think it's too much, I can't do it. Instead of saying, I'm amazing at this, this is easy, which your brain would say, no, it's not, honey. <laughs> Instead, the thought that you could believe that feels better is to say, I got great coping skills. I can cope. To me, that specific thought of I have great coping skills and I can cope with challenges in my life, that's something that I keep telling myself all the time because it is a belief that I have that I think is true. So you want to make sure that whatever those thoughts are that you're telling yourself, that they still feel true. They feel better than what your natural instinctual brain tells you and they still feel true. So that is strategy number one. Observe your own thinking and then introduce new and better and more empowering thoughts. Talk to your brain more than that you listen to it. The second strategy is to act before you overthink. So if you notice that you start procrastinating or that you start overthinking your actions, maybe you're in a meeting and you keep thinking, when is the right moment to speak up? And then you're looking for that right moment when there's a pause and you have a great idea and there's the perfect match between momentum and idea. And that's when you want to speak up, but that moment never comes and you keep thinking and thinking, but you're not acting. That is when you want to get in the habit of just doing it, just saying it, even if that means it wasn't the perfect moment. If you're thinking about making a big, bold decision, or you think about starting this project that you're a little bit unsure about, instead of procrastinating and overthinking it, simply get into action. Clarity comes from taking action. And once you act, even if your brain is still thinking and doubting, in the moment of action is when you start building momentum. And through this momentum, we can build new patterns and we can demonstrate our own brain. Hey, this is possible. I can do this. Another example would be at a networking event. Let's assume that soon we'll be back at in-person networking events or maybe even virtual ones, right? And you might not feel so comfortable talking to strangers. Instead of overthinking and preparing for the awkwardness and rehearsing in your brain what you're going to say, simply say, hi. Hi, what's your name? Just go out there and act quickly, faster than you can think, faster than you can overthink. There's a quote by Dale Carnegie that I think brings this to the point really nicely. He says, Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. So these are the two strategies. The first one is to talk to your brain more than you listen to it. The second strategy is to act before you overthink. Now, like I said in the beginning, I'm going to quickly talk about what you can do in order to instill confidence in other people. So one of the things that you can do if you notice someone on your team is lacking confidence. On one hand, you want to really just be an advocate for them and you want to let them know that you believe in them, that you trust them, that you think that they got it. You want to present them with opportunities where they feel like they're being a little stretched 
And you can tell them like, I think I, you got this. I'm not going to jump in. I'm not going to take the lead. I'm sort of in the background. I'm a little bit like Yoda, who is that guide in the background, who's supporting and coaching and helping, but he's not actually doing it. So you can be that person who acts a little bit as of a backbone and lifts their confidence through supportive communication and then let them act. Of course, make sure that they're set up for success. They actually have the tools and the guidance that they need and then just be there. Another thing that you can do is when they do fail or when something does go wrong, Instead of just pointing out all the mistakes that they've made, especially when you notice they're already self-critical, they already probably beat themselves up more than they should. Instead of focusing on pointing out all the, the mistakes, focus on looking at the opportunities that come out of this challenge, that come out of this problem. Whenever we fail, there's something we can learn. There's an opportunity that comes from having this problem. There is an opportunity there to maybe see something we didn't see before or to now do something we weren't able to do before. So focus on the lessons learned. Emphasize how this experience is making them better, stronger, maybe more resilient, more knowledgeable. Focus on the opportunities and make sure that they feel comfortable and make sure that you normalize failure. We all fail. Failing is part of achieving success. So a way to normalize failure would be to emphasize what I just said, that failure is part of the process and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's not about failing in itself. It's about what we do after we fail. And so your coaching comes in to help them reframe and leverage this experience to their benefit. You can also be vulnerable in that moment to say like, hey, listen, I deal with these similar things. Here's a place where I failed recently. Here's something that I didn't do well. And here's what I did afterwards. And here's what I know now because of this failure or because of this challenge or obstacle that I had. And then the third way that you can help others build confidence, and that one actually applies to you too, is to help them recognize accomplishments and achievements. And with recognize, I mean to really point out things that they do, efforts that they put into work, ways that they show up that must maybe outside of their comfort zone, accomplishments that they had and help them keep a record of it. Yes, writing it down is great. Doing a weekly review is great. On my website, ramonashaw.com forward slash shop, I have a career journal with weekly reflections on it that help you or others capture your accomplishments and keep a record of them so that your brain keeps picking up on all the things that you're actually doing well and you internalize your success or for others to internalize their success. So for you as a manager of someone else who wants to develop their confidence, you can point out out and ask those questions They're like hey tell me about a win tell me about something that you're really proud of from last week or what was an effort that you put in that felt a little uncomfortable you can also acknowledge the places where you notice if they did something was maybe a little bit of a stretch and now specifically say focus on the effort because it's a lot more about what they're actually doing and a lot less about the outcome Oftentimes, the outcome is somewhat outside of our control. Oftentimes, there's timing and other factors that play into the actual result. But what we can control is the effort, the actions that we take, the ways that we show up, the things that we do. 
And so recognizing people's effort is more important than recognizing and praising their accomplishments. The effort is also what people can internalize more because they realize that's the thing I did, not just the thing that came out of it. And so it feels more personal when you recognize people's efforts and praise that. So those are the three strategies to help other people build their confidence. So a brief recap. We talked about the importance of doing the inner work and not to look for outer external things in order to boost confidence. That's not sustainable. So in order to build the confidence in a sustainable way, you have to talk back to your brain more than you listen to it. And you have to act before you overthink. And now in order to help other people build confidence, communicate your confidence in them, be vocal about it, support them, set them up for success and be there in their background to sort of like lift them up a little bit as they embark on challenges. Help them reframe failure so that they worry less about failing and making mistakes. They see these obstacles and challenges and potential setbacks as setups. And then last but not least, recognize and praise their efforts and make sure that they're aware of their accomplishments and the ways that they show up in a way that they may have not done in the past. Make sure that they recognize when they're stretching and when they're outside their comfort zone and they're doing something that you see it, that you praise them for it. Those are my tips for building confidence. Now, this is not a quick fix solution. This is a process and it takes a little bit of discipline and focus. So if you want to build confidence, it is like building and sustaining a muscle. You got to go to the gym first. You got to go to the gym first. You have to lift the dumbbells. You have to do so over and over again in order to build the muscle which means you're doing the same thing to build confidence. You have to keep pushing yourself to act. You have to keep talking back to your brain, reframe and observing your thoughts and then reframe and introducing new thoughts. You do all this work. And then just like with muscles, you still got to keep doing the work even though you feel like you've got it, right? What builds the muscle is what sustains the muscle. What builds confidence is what sustains confidence. So this is going to become a lifelong practice where it's just a normal thing for you to do in order to build and then to protect your confidence. And on that note, in terms of protecting your confidence, I do think this is is such an important thing when it comes to your career and when it comes to uh, making decisions about workplaces where you think your confidence is suffering because of toxic or negative relationships that you find yourself in. Yes, there is the work that you can do in order to not be affected by other people's comments so much and the way that you show up. But there's also a moment in time where a turnaround is unlikely. And that's the moment to step in and to protect your confidence by getting yourself out of a toxic situation. Sticking it out, trying to persevere through these challenges if they keep going on and on and on and you don't see an end to it can lead to longer term impacts on your confidence level. I speak to a lot of people who have almost post-dramatic symptoms. And of course, here I'm not a therapist and this is not a diagnosis. What I'm saying is that the long-term effect of being in toxic relationships in a workplace are substantial. So be careful, be mindful, speak to a 
therapist if you find yourself in a situation like this. Find yourself a coach and assess your situation in order to protect your confidence. And if you feel like you're in a workplace where actually it's generally good, but there's one person who seems to be attacking you, know that them attacking you, if that's what you feel, is a lot more about that person than it is about you. So developing your confidence, maintaining and protecting your confidence here is key and creating a clear line in the sand of what is yours to take on and what is theirs. Say, no, thank you. I don't want to take on your anger. No, thank you. I don't need your blaming. I decline. You can keep that energy with you. I don't want any of it. So you're protecting yourself. So I went a bit of on a spin here, but that's something that's close to my heart. I think it's so important for people to be aware of as it comes to uh, their mental well-being and their confidence. Now, I don't want you to move on without committing to any action here. It's all about getting an insight, learning something, and then doing it. So what is one commitment that you can make after... So what is one commitment that you can make right now? One thing that you can do in order to build or protect your confidence or help someone else build their confidence. So what is one thing and then go out and do it? No overthinking, no holding back, no overthinking, no holding back. And if confidence is something that you struggle with and you know this is key in order for you to achieve your career goals and feel good about it, then let's chat. You can set up a call with me by going to ramonashaw.com forward slash apply to select the time slot, enter a few short questions and we'll jump on a call to identify where you're at right now, where you want to go and what that roadmap looks like for you personally in order to achieve your career goals. I'd love to chat with you and I see you next week in another episode of the Manager Track podcast. Bye for now. If you love this show, then you'll love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at ramonashaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to ramonashaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.